coming to you from the Woodland Baptist Ministry Center, home of the Woodland Baptist Church, on the 15th of May, 2022. Alone. Have you ever been alone? I don't mean a time where you deliberately set some time to get away and maybe contemplate the world around about you. But sometime when you felt isolated and alone. Sometime when you felt like you were the only one that could possibly understand what you were going through. And there was nobody to turn to, nobody to access, no one to comfort, no one to encourage. You were just it. You were alone, isolated. Elijah went through that. And I'd like to talk this morning about being alone. I invite you to take your Bibles and turn with me to 1 Kings 19. 1 Kings 19. Lo and behold, 1 Kings 19 follows chapter 18. And in chapter 18, we have a very familiar story about Elijah. Elijah had called for a showdown. He had called out Ahab and all the false prophets of Baal. And they met on Mount Carmel. And you remember the story how he challenged them to call to Baal and and rain down fire and consume the sacrifice that they had prepared for their false god. And of course, that went on and on and on. And you can read the story. It's a great one in chapter 18. It concludes with them not successfully uh, getting their fire lit. And then Elijah calls on the living God after building up an altar soaking it in water, calls on God. Fire came down, consumed the sacrifice, consumed the wood, consumed the rocks, and licked up all the water. And the people said, the Lord, he is God. And then he turned on the false prophets, and they slew the 400 false prophets that were there. There had been no rain in the land. And God gave him a vision to say there's rain coming. And he told it to the king. Rain is coming. And uh, it was kind of unbelievable. But then the Lord sends the rain. Ahab then turned to his wife Jezebel and, and told her all the things that had happened. And Jezebel said, be it unto me if it doesn't, if Elijah isn't dead a day from now. And sends this message off to Elijah. Elijah hears it 
And scripture tells us in chapter 19, it says, and then verse three, and then he was afraid and he rose and ran for his life and came to Beersheba, which belonged to Judah and left his servant there. But he himself went a day journey into the wilderness and came and sat under a broom tree and he asked that he might die. Listen to his words. It is enough now, O Lord, take away my life, for I am no better than my father's. And at that point, he laid down, fell asleep. When he awoke, there was an angel who prepared some food for him. He ate it and drank what was prepared and laid down again. Slept some more. Again, an angel of the Lord came and said, Arise, eat. Journey is too great for you. He rose and ate and drank and went on in the strength of that food 40 days and 40 nights to Oreb, the mount of God. When he gets there, I want you to pay attention to what he says. He came to a cave in verse 9. And Lot said, and behold, the word of the Lord came to him, and he said to him, What are you, what are you doing here, Elijah? And Elijah said, I have been very jealous for the Lord, the God of hosts, and for the people of Israel, have forsaken your covenant, and thrown down your altars, and killed your prophets with a sword, and I... Even I only am left, and they seek my life to take it away. Do you hear his words? I, even I, am only am left, and they seek my life to take it away. Lord sends along of wind and earthquake and fire. And when he gets done, he says, I wasn't in any of those, but he spoke to Elijah in a still voice. And he asked again in verse 13, what are you doing here, Elijah? In verse 14, Elijah responds, I've been very jealous for you, Lord, the God of hosts, for the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, killed your prophets with a sword, and I, even I only, am left, and they seek my face, my life to take it away. Here is despair. I, even I, only am left. Sounds something that had been rummaging around in his mind for a while because he repeats that statement the second time, almost like something he had practiced, like something that he had been pondering and contemplating for that length of time. And now he's able to pour out to God his anguish. And he says, you might as well just take my life. 
This is it. Everybody else has been attacking your prophets. Everybody else has been pulling down your altars. Everyone else has turned against you. I only, I am left. Well, we may not have faced the prophets of Baal up on Mount Carmel, but boy, we sometimes have gone through it, haven't we? And our words may not have been, you know, I only am left and they seek my life to take it away. But we have felt like that. That our life was pretty much hanging in the balance. You know, it's an interesting thing about emotions. Sometimes they're based on completely on truth, and then sometimes only a little partially on truth. And giving Elijah the benefit of the doubt, what he says was true in, the, in one respect, that from his perspective, he had seen what was going on in the nation, and the nation, for the most part, had turned their back on God. I want to talk about the fact that we are not alone, even when we think we're alone. Verse 18, the Lord reminds Elijah of something that he didn't know. The Lord speaks to Elijah and said, Yet I will leave 7,000 in Israel, all the knees that have not bowed to Baal, and every mouth that has not kissed him says, you think you're alone? I've got 7,000 more. You're not alone. You may feel alone, but you're not alone. So that brings us to the text that precipitated this uh, reference to Elijah. And it's found in, in our passage this morning in John chapter 16. We were reading this in our reading this morning. And Jesus is talking about going away. And he says in verse 32, Behold, the hour is coming. Indeed, it has come when you will be scattered, each to his own home, and you will leave me alone. I got to thinking about that. Little rabbit trail here a little bit. Each one returned to their own home. They've been traveling with Jesus for, for years now. Where was home? But Jesus said, you're just going to be scattered. You'll be separated from one another. You're going to go back to... Why do we, why do we like home so much? It's, it's the comfortable place, right? It's the place where we feel literally at home. If there's a place of security for us, we would call it home. Jesus says, you're going to leave me, you're going to be scattered, and you're going to go to your secure place. You're going to go to a place where you're going to try and find some comfort in the midst of all this, but you're going to leave me alone. 
But Jesus wasn't done. Because the rest of that verse reads this way. Yet I am not alone. For the Father is with me. I am not alone. The Father is with me. So was Jesus alone? John 16.32 says, No. The Father is with me. I am not alone. And this isn't the first time that he said that. Back in John chapter 8 and verse 29, he says, talking about his Father, he says, And he who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do the things that are pleasing to him. He says he's always here. He always knows what's going on in my life. And he is always here for me. So I got to thinking about those times and moments when we, are, when we feel alone. And I want to put truth to those times. Because it's good to know what God has to say when we feel on the outs, when we feel alone, what is the truth behind that? Before we do that, I want to go to a passage that you're uh, familiar with and debunk it a little bit because the unintentional uh, consequences of understanding this passage in the wrong way can lead to all sorts of issues about addressing the idea of being alone when the Lord has promised to be with us. In Matthew chapter 18, maybe you've heard this phrase, where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst. Right? You've heard, you've heard that. In Matthew 18, 15 through 20, though, the context of that passage is discipline. And he's talking in terms of what happens when somebody uh, sins against you, when your brother sins against you. In verse 15, go and tell him your fault between you and him alone. And if he listens to you, have gained your brother. In other words, if there's been some issue between a brother in Christ and, and you have, you're at odds for whatever reason. He says, the two of you ought to be seeking each other out to resolve that. And if you've resolved that, that's good. But if it can't be resolved that way, he says, then get, grab some others. He says, if he does not listen, take two or one or two others along with you that every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. In other words, you bring in some others who listen to both sides and try and discern what is true. And in that process, he makes a, a, an interesting statement. He says, if he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen even to the church, let him be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. Neither term was it one that anybody wanted to have affixed to their name. But I want you to pay attention to verse 18. 
Truly I say unto you, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. It's a tough passage to translate, but I'm going to try. It doesn't quite come through in this passage. Let me try and give you a different translation. I say to you, whatever you bind on earth shall have already been bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall have already been loosed in heaven. And he's saying this is the situation. You have two individuals, there's an issue between them, they're not able to resolve, they bring in one or two other witnesses to confirm the situation. And what the Lord is saying here in Matthew is this. I want you to understand that whatever they decide, having listened to both sides, and they say, brother, you're, you're in the wrong and you're in the right, and you need to confess and get right. He says, you need to take this as from the Lord. Because whatever they say here has already been decided up there. And they're speaking on your behalf. So we come to this passage. Where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in, among them. And what he's saying is in the context of discipline, he says, I want you to be so aware of the weight of this Meaning that you would see me sitting there adjudicating the case here. And whatever they decide shall have come from me to them, to you. So the context of this passage doesn't speak to the idea of only when we get together, two or three together, then the Lord's in the midst. Because it really isn't talking about that. Jesus said, all of you have left me. And I am alone. He says, but I'm not alone. Why? Because as an individual, God is with me. And that's true for us too. There was a... A statement that was going around and I understand why it was made I just don't like it there was a statement about being alone and standing alone but scripture never talks about standing alone it doesn't say you know if you're in some sort of situation and in the illustration I heard was you're with some friends in the car and they decided that they're going to pass around the beer and you're all going to drink and you decide you don't want to drink. You just need to stand alone and stand up against them and, and don't drink. But that isn't found anywhere in Scripture. Rather, the statement that is used over and over in Scripture is you're not alone you need to stand firm. You need to stand firm. In Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 13, he says, take up the whole armor of God 
that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done to stand firm. They didn't even say, you're going to be out there all by yourself and you're just going to have to buck up, buddy, and work your way through it. He says, no. You're going to stand firm. Why? Because you're in the power and the might of the Lord. In 1 Corinthians 16, 13, Paul admonishes them and he says, be watchful, stand firm in the faith, act like men, be strong. He doesn't say stand alone, stand firm. Galatians 5, 1, for freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Why can we say this? Because Jesus has already told us that when he was faced with what he was about to face, and he's speaking to his disciples, in, in John chapter 16, he says, you will be scattered, each one to his own home, and you will leave me alone. Yet I'm not alone for the Father with me. And you know that's the claim that we have as well. Very familiar passage, but it's worth going to at this particular time. Psalm 139. Psalm 139. Psalm David. Now I don't encourage sleeping, but if you're not turning to the text, I want you to close your eyes and listen. Okay? Now, if anybody snores, we can nudge them back awake afterwards. But listen to, listen to what David says. Oh, Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar you search out my path and my lying down. You are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is in my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it altogether. You hem me in behind and before, and you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high and I cannot attain it. Where shall I go from your spirit? Or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you're there. If I make my bed and shield, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost part of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. And if I say, surely, surely the darkness will cover me. And the light about me be night. He says, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night is as bright as the day, for darkness is as light with you. The psalmist goes, not only do you know even my very words before I speak them, he says, you are there in front of me and behind me, you have your hand on me. And if I were to say, I am alone, I would be lying. Because you're with me. You're with me. 
Now, this might not be a passage that you would turn to to talk about being alone, but I thought it might be an intriguing place to go. In Ephesians chapter 6, Paul has been writing to the church at Ephesus, and he's talking about the different roles we have in life, and talking about a father and a mother, talking about husband and wife and children, and then he comes down to bond servants and masters, and this is to what he says, and I'll make the point. He says, bond servants, obey your earthly masters with fear and trembling, as with a sincere heart, as you would Christ, not by the way of eye service, as people pleasers, but as bond servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, rendering service with good will as to the Lord and not unto men, knowing that whatever good anyone does, he will receive back from the Lord, whether he is a bond servant or is free. You hear what he's saying? He's saying, all these who were bond servants and slaves, he says, what's the tendency that if you're constricted to do a job, the tendency is how can I get out of it? <laughs> what, what way can I, can I do the least amount of work and get by? And he says, don't do it with eye service. In other words, when the boss comes around, then I, I hump to it and get, get going. But do that all the time. Why? Because he says, you have a master and he sees everything that you do. Everywhere you go, he sees whether, he, whether the boss is in the, in the same room with you or not. Your master sees that. And he says, not only that, he's taking note of it and he will reward you for what you do. So at this point, could we say to that servant, you're just alone in this? No. The Lord sees exactly what's going on in your heart and your life. You're not alone, for God is there with you. He goes on from there and talks about the masters. The masters do the same to them. Stop your threatening, knowing that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven, and there is no partiality with him. He says, everything that goes for the servant goes for you. Lord sees every motive. Lord sees every action. He, he knows these things. Are you alone? So what's the point? Jesus was about to go through a horrendous experience. Mockery of a trial. Crucifixion. And as he said, his disciples would be scattered. And he would be left alone. But he says, I'm not alone. I know the truth. God is with me. That should be our experience too. Our emotions might say, well, everybody else has left. Paul even says that in occasion. He says, you know, all have forsaken me. 
Well, except there's one or two, but he says, most of them will let me. But wasn't true. The Lord was with him. Listen to the writer of Hebrews in Hebrews 13. He says, you, are you alone? No. You're not forsaken. You're not forsaken. Keep your life free from the love of money. Be content with whatever you have. He says, well, why, how can you be content? You know, I didn't win the lottery this last week. How can I be content? He says, for he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Never leave you. So we're left with one or two positions. One where our emotions and our thoughts and all say, like Elijah, I only am left and they seek my life, or down to the last thread, and they got the scissors out to cut it, and I'm almost done. Or you could say, as scripture says, I will never leave you, nor forsake you. Don't know what you're going through today. Don't know what's going on in your life today. Don't know what you faced last week. Don't know what you're going to face this next week. But I know this. I know that you are not alone. And the Lord has got his hand on you. And he's in front of you and behind you. He sees everything that's going on. And he will be to that end, we can give thanks. Our Heavenly Father, we give thanks. We're thankful that Jesus made this statement before he went through that trial, arrest, trial, and crucifixion. He declared something that we need to hear. I am not alone. My Father is with me. My God is with me. And Heavenly Father, we hold to that same truth. We're thankful that you are with us. We give thanks in Jesus' name.